we're going to jump into a very practical, not, not that all of them were practical, uh, but this is something that we're going to deal with on a regular part of life. And so I want to make sure that we're going deep into this and understanding why this is important. And to be honest, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss some people from the group because this, this lesson actually is not for everybody uh, because the title of the lesson is Dealing with Sin. So if you don't sin on a regular basis, you can go home early. Uh, you don't even have to be here tonight. This is kind of a waste, honestly. Uh, so, oh, we have some. We got it. Yes. Lying's your sin so you can stay. <laughs> Dealing with sin. But we're talking about confession of sin, forgiveness of sin, and repentance. So let me ask you the question. If you have Jesus in your life, do you still sin after you're saved? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and I think the bigger question is, and not the bigger question, but maybe more the uh, intriguing question that we have is, what does that do? I mean, if I sin because do, do I cross a line and, and I sin so much that God says, all right, you're done. You know, you can't get into heaven. Do I lose my salvation? I, I know some people have this mindset that you, you talk to them and they're like, man, I can't pray right now. I know God's really mad at me if you knew all the stuff that I did. So the idea is if I've offended God, if I've sinned, uh, is he not going to answer my prayer? Am I on the naughty list with God? Is, 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 have I pushed him away too far, and all, all these different things. And so uh, I, I think a lot of people struggle with this. And what if I sin and I keep sinning? What, how many times can I ask God to forgive me of my sin and, and things? So I, I really want to just dive into this and, and break this down. We're going to talk about being born again. You say, what does that have to do with this? It actually has everything to do with this. Everything to do with this. Uh, we're going to talk about fellowship and you say, I thought we were talking about confession and sin. We are. And then we're going to talk about what the words confession, forgiveness, and repentance means. This is our, our verse that we're memorizing this. We cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know this already. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we're going to, in a minute, not only study that passage, but we're going to back up and hit all the verses leading up to it and kind of give the surrounding passages that deal with this. So the questions that we're going to ask or answering tonight is, what does it mean to be born again? And, and like I said, this has everything to do with this. How does sin affect us in our walk and relationship with God? Why do we still sin after we're saved? And how do we make the right, uh, rights wrong? Or how do we make things right when we sin? So let's just talk about what it means to be born again. And it's, that's such a church term, too. Uh, if you talk to somebody that's not in church and you're telling them uh, and you're zealous about being saved and you say, brother, I've been born again. They're like, OK, you, what, what does that mean? It's weird. It's just for somebody that doesn't understand the biblical doctrine or teaching of that, it sounds weird. It sounds odd. Uh, but it goes deeper than just being saved. Think about if you're, if Jesus himself, that's not a Christian thing that we came up with, okay? It's not just a terminology that came up with. Uh, the, the teaching came straight from Jesus in John chapter 3 about being born again. And, and it goes deeper than just, I'm saved, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'm a Christian, which literally means I'm Christ-like and I follow Jesus Christ, or I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But to say that I'm born again has a deep meaning to it. 
It, it, it identifies our standing and our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's so important. It's so foundational to this, to this subject. And this is confusing to so many because uh, I, a lot of people, and, and I'd love to, once we got into this, there was so many other things that I wish we could teach on. And I think one of them is just understanding eternal security. And to be honest, you'd be surprised at how many people in this room right now would struggle with that idea that I, I can be eternal secure. Can I lose my salvation? And, and this subject is not on this, but it kind of goes hand in hand of this. The Bible tells us, this isn't in your notes, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. Right. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. So he lays out this foundation that your salvation is not of works. It's not what you do or don't do. And that is so important for us to understand because if, if I had to do good works to gain my salvation, then I could do bad works to lose my salvation. And so there's, there's a lot of struggles. And, and I know that the subject of eternal security goes way deeper than that. Okay, way, way deeper than that. And, I, and, and we're going to kind of touch on these things. But... Um, but the, what happens from that is I'll talk to people that have messed up and things, and they'll say things to me like, and I'll ask them point blank. I do this all the time. If you know, do you know for sure that you, if you died, you'd go to heaven? And they say, man, I hope so. And then like, have you ever been saved? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up in church. I'm saved. But to be honest, I'm just going to be transparent with you, Pastor Tony. I haven't been in church in a long time. Or... I, I, I'm living in a, a sinful relationship right now or whatever. And so in their mind, because they're, they're crossed the line or because they're doing that, now all of a sudden they question whether or not they would go to heaven. And it's a scary thing to live in that, in, in that way of thinking. So uh, the, the, the obvious question is, how does someone become your child? And I'm not talking adoption. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just, just straight up the way that God created things for the family and things like that, is they're, they're born into the family. I, I want to take that concept because that is the terminology and the illustration that God has given us in this passage. John 12, 1, 12. But as many as received him, salvation, to, give, to them gave he the power to become what? The sons of God. Man, that, that, is, that is terminology that I get. And I, and I know I joke about this all the time, but guys, let me just tell you straight up from my heart, I'm not joking when I say this all the time. I need things simple. I am a simple person. And I thank God that he didn't complicate salvation. He wrote it on a level that I could get it. It's, it's to, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that do what? Lots of good works, baptize and join the church. And those to believe on his name, which were born. That's it. Not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The greatest example that we have of this was when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. He's intrigued. He's, you know, he's the ruler of the Jews and and he's, he, he knows the law and the, the religion and all the things that they should do. And he comes out to him and he goes, I know that you were sent from God for no man can do the things that you do except they be from God himself. And he, he knows just enough about it to know that there's something different. And then he gets this hard truth. 
And he's told that you must be born again. And Jesus answers him, Verily, verily, I say to you, except the man be born again. This is Jesus' teaching. And by the way, if we're going to teach with passion, John 3.16, don't leave out John 3.3 3 through the rest of it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but at the beginning of that, he was talking about how we are saved. Except a man be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, okay, uh, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? I mean, we, we all know in this that, that that's not how it works. There's, there's no redos. I mean, you, you can have a child that gets wayward from your, your, and your relationship as parents says, Mom, can we just redo this again? You're like, it doesn't work that way. And I, I know that's kind of being silly with that, but that's kind of the illustration here. How can a man be born? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Verily, verily, say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. You must be born again. So he's giving a comparison. He's, he's talking about being born of the water. If even we know the concept of being born of water, because the first thing that happens when my wife said we need to go to the hospital is my water broke. And there is two, and he draws this comparison. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. But you have to be born again. So he has this understanding of being born into the family of God. He made this very clear comparison. You are alive physically because you were born. You are alive spiritually because you're born. And both of these happens once. Jesus proving a fact. You are born into family. You are born into, and this is where we get into the application to this. You are born into a relationship. This is so vital to understand why is it important that I acknowledge my sin and what sin matters to us. You are born into a relationship. When you accept Christ, you are born into the family of God. So that's why we're discussing this. It's not about losing your salvation. It's not about God loving you less. It's about quenching or hindering the relationship that we have with God. We understand this um, idea with everything else. We'll say it's not religion, it's relationship. So when it comes to sin, just remember this. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. I, I mean, I'm going to ask you guys, a lot of you guys are parents. I know this firsthand. Uh, do your kids ever make mistakes? Yes. Actually, a lot, okay. <laughs> they break the rules, they rebel, they act unthankful at times, they, they sometimes dis disobey, and they sometimes do it on purpose. So yes. So the question is, after they make these mistakes, are they still your child? Yes. Yes. Do you kick them out of the house or stop loving them or disown them? Maybe for a time, but not. you don't keep it that way. Um, what, why do you keep loving them in the way that they, that they, they messed up or disappointed you? It's, it's, it's called grace. There is a love with us of God that goes deeper than our circumstances and our, our problems. It, that, that's why his love isn't the love that we have. It is an agape love that is an unconditional love. They are still our sons and daughters, but it does affect the relationship. Here, and here is how. We don't bless our kids' disobedience. 
We don't bless. We don't condone it. We don't bless it. And, we, and some parents do. Like, I'll give it to you anyways, but that's not how God works. See, unconfessed sin will affect us with our relationship with Christ, but it will not condemn us. It will not. Uh, God seeks to correct it, just like a parent would. Uh, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son that receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. What son whom he that the father chasteth not? I, I, I remember, and it's a different world for me now. I, mean, I don't, I, raising kids is a different thing when your kids are 17, 20, and 22. I mean, it's a different world, and anybody knows. Uh, but I can go back and tell you the stories. I remember working in the front yard. We were getting ready to sell our house on Falconbridge, and I was on a ladder, and I was painting it. And Jordan was running around at the bottom of the ladder and doing stuff out there. And the ball rolled into the street. And uh, Jordan went rain, running after it, and cars slammed on his brakes, yelled at me, said, get your kid, you know, and things. And he was absolutely right. And I went up there and grabbed him, and I grabbed him by the hands, and he was already scared, and I was scared. And, and I looked him in the face, and I said, you do not ever, ever go in the street. This isn't because I don't love you. It's because I do love you, and don't ever do that again. And I was just, why did I do that? Because I love him. And that's the whole verse is saying when God gets a hold of our hearts to correct us, it, it, it is done out of love. It is done out of a relationship. He's not going to let you stay that way. Paul is a good example of understanding this biblical principle. He said, for the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. He says, but that that I would not. This is a tongue twister. So hang on there. It is no more than I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. He said, because I have the sin nature. And he was, Paul was confessing, and we know him as being a great man of God. And I'm going to ask you guys, when he is saying, literally, the things that I know to do, I don't do, and the things that I shouldn't do, man, that's what I do. How many times do we read in the Bible about Paul being saved? But according to him, he should have been saved like 10 times over. According to completely failing over again, because it's a relationship with God. This is the correct, that's not because it, behold what manner of the sons of God. We are family. Now I know what you say that, but guys, let me just say that again. We are family. We are family. Do you know what I mean by that? You are stuck with, stuck with me for all eternity, whether you like it or not. You can't get rid of me. When we get to heaven, I'll be right there with most of you. We'll we'll be there together. (laughs) But it talks about this. It it talks about Galatians that we are the children with brotherly love. About about this relationship, family atmosphere that we have. So it's fellowship. So how does sin unborn affect us in our relationship and walk with God? So let's talk about the effects of sin. We're going to talk about dealing with sin. The reason why we're building up to this like this, uh, because if we don't start with this, it's just a matter of, uh, hey, I'm saved, going to heaven. And this is the mindset that some people have. I'm saved, going to heaven, so I'm going to go party up, baby, because it doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven no matter what. And I've had people say that to me. So you're telling me, that I can go out and live however you want, and it doesn't matter. If you have the Spirit of God truly living inside of you, you can't live however you want. And if you do, something is deeply wrong. 
And, and I'm not going to re-teach. You guys realize that a lot of the teaching that we're doing on Wednesday night and stuff like that, it's building blocks. We, we preach about the Spirit of God. Spirit of God convicts and pulls us there. If you can get away and just live however you want and nothing pulls you back, something's wrong in your heart. Something's wrong in your heart. Shereen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've got that in my notes. Like, shall we continue in sin that grace should, uh, will abound? What's the answer? God forbid is the answer that comes from that. It's, uh, you, can't, you, you can't even think of that without uh, thinking of that verse. So s- sin hurts our relationship with God because God is a holy, righteous God. So let's, let's study a little bit this passage that we're memorizing this If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 9. Let's back up. Rewind a little bit. Let's get to verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So it's establishing this foundational principle that Jesus, God, our relationship with God, he, he is light. So it's, it, it's the, he's the opposite of sin, the opposite of darkness, the opposite of the things that is unrighteous. So if we, say that we have, if we say that we have fellowship with him, notice the word fellowship. You want to know why it's one of the key words? It's, it's, it's a relationship. You can have a marriage and fellowship with God and fellowship with other Christians. He said, if we say there is a difference, you can be saved and not walk in fellowship with God and fellowship with other Christians. He said, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and the truth is not in us. Sin hurts the fellowship. It hurts the unity with, that we have with God. And even the relationship, even before when this all fell apart, Adam and Eve, when they sent in the garden, they, they, were, they were separated from God. They were kicked out of the garden. He drove the man out of them and separated in this. Sin separates us from God. Sin hurts our relationship with God. So the thing is, too, it, it hurts our relationship with God, and it hurts the working of God in our lives. I am the vine. You are the branches. Without me, you can do what? Nothing. And, and I need, I, I, I am just... We crave the filling of the Spirit of God and the moving of the Spirit of God. And I want to be touched by God. I want all these different terms. And don't let that make you, don't make that nervous in your hearts that something's wrong when the pastor talks about the moving of God or the Spirit of God. All those things are in the Bible. When God puts his hand upon somebody and uses them, but I'm telling you that God is not going to use sin. Go through the Bible and see that the story of Achan and story over and over again. God cannot bless sin. We quench the Spirit of God when we're living in sin. We're not thrown out, but it, it hurts the relationship and it hurts the working of God. That's why it says, quench not the Spirit and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are, you, you, you're not unchurched or a family or marriage or anybody that doesn't have the working idea means to extinguish the flame. You, you want to see a church or a family or marriage or anybody that doesn't have the working and the, and the stirring of the Spirit of God in their life where people are not being saved and unity is lost and Satan is winning and all these different things are happening? It's because we are quenching the Spirit of God. Sin hurts our relationship with God, but I'll tell you, sin also hurts us. Hurts us. From the very beginning, sin brought pain into the world. It was represented in Genesis by thorns, thorns, 
Sin has power. It, 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 it messes things up. The Bible talks about how sin controls us. For sin shall not have dominion over us. For you that are under the law are not under. There's people that have porn addictions and, and it consumes them, consumes their mind, changes their, uh, their, their mindset towards their spouse and women and females. And, and it goes both ways with that. Lust wants to consume. Sex wants to rule your life. Bitterness wants to rule your life. Anger wants to rule your life. It hurts a relationship. It, it, it hurts our witness. It hurts our families. It does. It, sin is awful. Sin destroys. The Bible even says, and lust when it, it, when, then lust when it had conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It's like a disease. It doesn't just go away. It ruins. It destroys relationship. It destroys your testimony. It destroys your passion. God, God doesn't tell us to stay away from, you know, it's, it's not a rule book. And, and I think sometimes we look at when the Bible says, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. It's not a rule book. It, it would be like me having the mindset that, um, th- that I can't flirt with other women. You say, of course you can because you're married. But I, I'm not going, oh man, I got to do this and she's going to get on my back. And it was one girl one time and like, no, 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 no. You, you, it's about a relationship. It quenches the relationship. It hinders the relationship. It hinders what God wants to do through the relationship. It's not a matter of what I can get away with. And here's what we were just talking about. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead indeed unto sin shall live any longer? God forbid. God loves you, but he wants the best for you, and he doesn't want the sin in our lives. So the question is, why do we still do it? I mean, it, it should be just like, if I know it's wrong, and I know it, 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 it's about me, we do it. I wish we would all just make a commitment right now, okay? Everybody raise your hand and say, I hereby will never sin again, and let's just walk out of here. Wouldn't that be great? Get into a traffic jam. So, yeah, that's right. Just try to get into a traffic jam one time, or deal, deal with some sort of Karen at the grocery store, or whatever. You're going to... You are saved, and you are still flesh. I, I, I hate to tell you this. As long as you're in the flesh, and you will be until God takes us home, you will struggle. It's just the way that it is. Paul said this, Romans says this, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. When our flesh is... Uh, it's, it's the lust, it's the anger, it's the laziness, it's our apathy. You know, so many times that we blame the devils, like, man, the devil is all over me today. No, the devil probably wasn't in 100 miles of you. It's just your flesh. But the thing is, we naturally gravitate towards doing wrong. You don't have to, have you ever noticed with your kids, we, we have a sin nature, you never had to teach them to sin. You never had to teach them to lie. You never had to teach them to hide things or whatever. It's just, or, or, or to cheat. You know, no, nobody, it's, it's just we naturally gravitate towards these things. He said, that is, I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, well, no good thing. To, the will is present with me. It's not, it's not a matter. I just don't care. It's there. But how to perform that which is good, man, I, I, I don't find it. I find not. Uh, it, it, it is this constant struggle in our lives. And, and we, we know this because of this, because your flesh is weak, because we live in the flesh, because we live in a world, because we can't get away from it, your flesh is going to fight against your spirit. 
And, and this is where we talked about when we did the Spirit of God about walking in the Spirit that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. Uh, let me tell you guys something powerful and I'm, I'm praying if, if God gives me liberty, I'm going to touch on this again on Sunday. You want to know how to address your flesh and just say, I have no problems with my flesh. If you say, I, I think I have a good grip on my flesh, you know, I can say no, I have these disciplines, whatever. There's a spiritual discipline that God gave us in our lives to address our flesh. Does anybody know what it is? It's called fasting. It's fasting. You want to know if you have control of your flesh? Decide not to eat tomorrow. I promise you, about eight, nine o'clock, you're like, I got this. This isn't bad. It's like, I'm a lot more spiritual than I thought. You know, it's like, you, you're going to just, you're going to be killing it. Lunchtime goes around, everybody's getting up to leave, and your stomach's growling. And then, then you start feeling a little dizzy. I'm telling you. It's like, then, then, then you feel a little weak and you get irritated and you, you don't want to tell people that you're irritated because you're fasting because, you know, that's what the Pharisees did, remember? And you don't want to lose your, you know, so. But I mean, it's just a war breaks out. And by, by the time that evening comes, I was like, what's this going to do? And it doesn't matter. And God doesn't listen anyways. And it's just, ah, oh, this whole war breaks out and just proves to you that, and honestly, we're Americans, we're not, we, you know, we'd say, I'm starving to death. We don't know what it would mean to starve to death. We, we, we think we're struggling if, if we, you know, don't have a snack between meals. I mean, we just, we don't, it's not a matter of our bodies struggling because it is in starvation mode. It's just that we have learned to feed our flesh. And it's a, it's a constant war. This is why we walk in the Spirit. This I say, then walk in the Spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You say, which one is going to win? Easy, whichever one you feed the most. If, if your diet is consumed of secular music, TikToks, and Netflix, I promise you, you are going to be weak, weak, weak. But if you learn to fast, to pray, have your devotions with God, meditate on the things of God, walk in the Spirit, walk in fellowship, learn to do these things, you will be a different person. Walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do we make things right? Because the thing is, you're going to mess up. And I know that's kind of the main part of this, but I think these foundational principles add up to it. How do we make things right? Here's number one, and these kind of uh, combined with some of the things that we've learned in the past. You've got to yield to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is um, expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, they like take team, I, I will come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will prove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And, and this, is, this is when you receive the Spirit of God inside of you and you say, man, I, I, I don't know if this is right or wrong. Pray about it. If you don't have wisdom, pray about it. Man, if, if you want to know whether you should go apologize for something, I promise you the Spirit of God will let you know. He will convict you. Before you were saved, it, you would have the attitude of, you need to make this right. I don't care. It's not my life. It's not... It's not my business. You, you shouldn't steal. It's like they've got money. They're, they'll be fine. They'll just write it off. That's our mindset. 
You should, you should go make that right. I don't care if they're mad at me or not. It's not my business. I did my part, gave them a piece. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. That's how we were. But let's just, I mean, I'm, I, I know most of you guys in here, let's just be honest in here. Go ahead and lose your temper with somebody and try to walk away. Now, you might be able to get away, but you're not going to sleep. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, and the Spirit of God will prick your heart, open your eyes, make you not be able to sleep. You won't have peace. You won't have rest. You won't have... And then he stirs your heart up because something is wrong. Don't let this bother you. On your wrath, exactly right. It's like deal with it, deal with it, deal with it. You've got the Spirit of God, the voice of God inside of you telling you to do this. It will bother you. God will bring it to light. God wants a relationship with you. It's, uh, all right. Um, yeah, I'm going to just do it. Okay. Have you ever fought with your wife before, guys? Do you have to say the question to your spouse, is everything okay? Nope. You know it's not okay. And it's, you know, there, there's just something that happens that, you know, just things are off. And, and, and let's go back to this relationship with God part. You know when something is wrong. You just do. It's the same thing. And I, and I love the fact that God bases it on a relationship. It's like you could walk in the house and, and, and I'm just testifying, okay, I'm, I'm married, I'm the pastor and everything here, but uh, sometimes me and Jenny don't always get along. It's usually her fault, but I mean, God loves her. Can you, you're able to edit the podcast, right? Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's true. <laughs> you do now. <laughs> that was conviction. That punch was conviction, Bob. <laughs> But I, I, I can walk into the house and just be like, is everything okay? And you say, how do you know that? I just, I have, a, I have a relationship with her. And I know when things are off. We, we are going to fight the flesh. But let's keep reading verse John 1. We read those verses. So let's keep going. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Our body is going to, our flesh is going to tell us that everything is okay. It is. It's, everybody does that. There's a war that breaks out in your mind. Everybody does that. Man, you're fine. It's not a big deal. It's not that bad. No one's perfect. It was one time. They had it coming to them. I only said the truth. You know, it's all these different things. But we sin. And by the way, let me just address, there's two ways that we sin. And, and maybe some of you know this, maybe this way, there's the sins of commission, which is deliberate sins. It's like you get mad and you get on the computer and you, you let them have it. Or you post something, whatever. You can't go back and say, oh, I didn't mean to. Yes, you did. Your fingers in it automatically just rant on Facebook. like You know what you did. It's sins of commission. But then there's sins of omission. Okay, it is not a deliberate thing. It's the Bible says, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Quench not the Spirit. There are some things that God will draw, bring to our attention to say that you've not been thankful. That's not a deliberate sin, but, or, or you, you don't worship me like you should, or you don't give thanks. You, you, those type of things that are just sins of omission, that they're, they're, they're wrong, but it's not obvious before us. So this is our prayer. God, search me. 
Know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me into the ways of everlasting. Lord, deal with my heart. Help me to get this right. And God will. Number two, when God brings it to light, you confess your sins. Now this is so important. It says, now we're in verse nine. If we confess our sins, it's, it's, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But uh, Psalms 32 verse five, it, it puts it like this. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. My iniquity have I not hid. I, I said, I will confess my transgressions unto thee, unto the Lord, for thou gavest the iniquity of my sin. So the, the question is, why confess? Why confess? Confessing means that you are acknowledging the sin. I have done wrong. I have transgressed. I, I have trespassed. You, you know the idea when the Bible says our trespasses and sins, the Bible says God has a line. Just the same way as you have a line that's your property and the neighbor's property, and you cross the line, you trespass. That's, that's what that terminology means in there. You've crossed the line. And you, you, God's asking us to acknowledge our sins and, and to confess it. How does this work with your spouse? So we're talking about a relationship. I know I keep coming back to this, but it just makes application. So um, if, if I do something wrong, and, and I have to go to apologize to my wife, and, and I acknowledge it, and I just say the words, I'm sorry. Do you know what my wife often will say to me? What you sorry for? For what? <laughs> She'll be like, sorry for what? Sorry for what? And she's not doing it like she doesn't know. She's doing it because she's, you know, she, she wants me to acknowledge what it was. And, 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 you know, you come back and say something like, well, for, for that one thing I said, not good enough? It's like, what one thing that you said, <laughs> you know, and she's getting, she's getting go deep in it. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry that I doubted you. And I'm sorry that I used that word again. I'm sorry that I, you know, it's like, I'm acknowledging that this is where I transgressed. This is where I messed up. This is what I did wrong. See, see God wants us to understand. You can't correct what you don't admit. You, you can't fix if, if I thought that I made things right between my wife and she said, you never apologize. I said I was sorry. But you know what I'm doing by confessing my sins? I am, I am confronting my flesh. I am confronting the pride. Because it is easy for us to excuse it. The same thing with Adam and Eve. This is what Adam and Eve did. They ran from God and they, they did what in the garden after they ran from God? They hid and did what? They covered themselves. It's like, so that they could come out before God and go, what? Nothing's wrong. You know, I was like, what are you? That, that, that was the idea that they did. They, they, they knew that they had guilt. They felt guilty before God. They knew something was wrong, but they tried to cover it up. And, and that's, what, that's a natural reaction that we try to do in life is we try to cover our sin. Uh, it's like, I, I, I said I was wrong. Or, but what God wants us to do is come out and say, yes, this is what I did. I did this and it was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I, I, I lusted. I'm sorry that I got mad. I'm sorry that I lost my temper. I'm sorry that I called that name. I'm sorry that I cut that guy off in traffic. I'm sorry. God, this is what I did, and I'm sorry for this. Do you know why? Because when, I'm so, when I confess my sin before God, then God is able to forgive that thing, but I'm able to get this right. It, it's not just about trying to get forgiveness of God. It's about getting back on the relationship to make things right. And then the next part about it is just accept God's forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To break it down, he is faithful. 
This is what Mark was saying just a minute. He is true to say, do what he says. If he says that he would forgive you, he will forgive you. He gives you the open door to come before him to tell him anything. He is faithful and just. Literally means that he is, he justifies or makes it right. He is a just God. He doesn't leave it to stink up your life or, or, or hang in front of you where you're constantly reminded of your failures. And then the word forgive literally means to let go. To put it away or forsake it. Our sin is then placed under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's cleansed. It's corrected. It's made right. And, and the thing is, and I, I have people say this all the time. It's like they make things right with their spouse and they say, well, he just wants to for, tell me that we should forgive and forget. And I just can't forget what he did. And it's, it's really a dumb thing to say to forgive and forget because we, we don't forget. So the question is, how does God do that? To be remembered no more. So, so let's illustrate this. Let's, let's say this is the thing that I did wrong. Okay? God literally, in his mercy, puts it as far as the east is from the west. Because this is what we do. It's like, I, I'm sorry for it. Okay, it, it's not a big deal. It's fine. It's fine. I forgive you. And then an argument comes up. And they're like, you did it again. I told you, I knew you would do this. That you do this all the time. It's just who you are. But the thing that Jesus does is he, he, he remembers all things. He chooses to remember it no more. Now, it's not a matter of God forgets because we know that God remembers everything. But he puts it as far as the east is from the west. And there's a lot of other illustrations in the Bible that talks about it. Never to be remembered on no more because to him, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. He lets it go. When he sees me, he doesn't see me. He sees the blood. He sees it forgiven. And let me just say this too. There is no sin that's too big that God cannot forgive. Because, you know, you talk to people and say, but man, oh, Pastor Tony, if you just knew how bad, how far, whatever. The woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, Jesus forgave her. The thief on the cross that could do nothing to earn forgiveness was forgiven by Jesus. Saul that was on his way to persecute the church was forgiven and it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Satan will bring up your past, but just remember he is a liar. He's a liar. And you will battle with that. I promise you will battle with that. Say, so let's close with this. Last thing is repentance. To make some changes. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. The term repentance is from the Greek word that means to turn from sin. It's a change of direction as a result of a change of heart. So the big question that we have is, can you confess without repenting? Now, I can say I'm sorry for whatever I did, but let, let me say Sin or, or repentance is a change of direction. Can I pick on you? All right. Let's say, let's say I, I, I punch you and I say, and I'm not going to really punch you, and I say, Brother Fenwick, I am so sorry for that. And then you say, you forgive me. And I say, okay. And I turn around and I do it again. See, the thing that, that we have to understand, if we, if we keep redoing the sin and we have no mind to truly turn from our sin, then we haven't repented. Repenting is a change of direction. And say, I'm going to, 
I'm going to stop sleeping with my girlfriend and then stop going on overnight trips. It's not repentance if you keep doing the same thing. If you keep up the same action and saying, well, I'm asking God to forgive me, it's not repentance. It's just confession. Repentance is a change of direction. If you say, I'm tired of being bitter against uh, so-and-so that I know is wrong, then, then go deal with it. Because if, if you don't make any changes, you're not repenting. Repentance is a change of direction. It's addressing the situation. Repentance means that you deal with the issue that you've confessed and you've made changes in your life. So the goal of all of this is we must remember that we were created to have fellowship with God. This is why we deal and confront sin that comes into our lives.